the squirt. Be quiet. Take a deep breath and put your head on my lap while we get into it. This is the squirt. It's a sex and comedy podcast where I get to talk to people and ask them sexy questions. I'm Kelly Hudson, your host. Um, I think you're going to like this episode. Okay. I finally got to talk to a dominatrix. Who also turns out to be a witch. Okay. Hello. Uh, This is very exciting. We had a great conversation. We talked about everything. Yeah. You're going to want to stick around. Um, I also had this, I've, I've actually recorded this intro like five times. And every time I record it, I kind of, uh, hate it. <laughs> so I keep re-recording it. But at one point, uh, it came up, there was like a helicopter sound. And so I mentioned my old podcast because we used to call Los Angeles Copter City on my old podcast. And my old podcast is Make Me Like It. And I hosted it with my husband, Dan Klein. And I thought I would plug that podcast because it was a really good one. We would spend each episode talking about something that we didn't like, that our guests did like, and they would convince us to like it. Our second episode is about anal sex, guys. You should check that one out with Charles Rogers, who, of course, is a squirt regular. Um, So check that one out. And I also figured it was high time I plug my husband's podcast. That's right. My husband has a podcast. It is called Bible Brothers. Isn't that funny that I have a sex podcast and my husband has a Bible podcast? He and his friend Robert read the entire Bible and dissect it and laugh at it. And I have thoroughly enjoyed it because, wow, the Bible is fucked up. (laughs) Totally fucked up. Oh, my God. They talk about circumcision all the time. They talk about masturbation. They, They just... It's just... It's nonstop, like, nitty-gritty bullshit and, like, stories that make no sense. No offense, question mark, but also, guys, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I can't defend the Bible. It's too, it's too nuts. It, it was written by, um, it was written by a j- bunch of controlling jerks, um, and that's the kind of book you get when that happens. Anyway, uh, for some reason, this is an intro that I don't hate, and so I'm going to stick with it, and I really hope you guys enjoy this episode with Lady Hexa. Happy birthday, by the way, Lady Hexa. This show is being released on their birthday, who will fucking knock your socks off. They are, as I mentioned, a dominatrix and witch, and self-described on their Instagram as a witch, bitch, and initiatrix. So get into it. Enjoy. Lady Hexa. Welcome to the show, Lady Hexa. We're so happy to have you. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be chatting with you. Woohoo! Yeah, I said we. I'm just used to we because I used to have a co-host, but I'm 
I just meant I, I don't, yeah, it's just me. That's all. <laughs> the sport hey, is just us. Kelly Hudson. Yeah. There's also us though. So it's all yes. good. Yes. We are true. here together. We are here together. Um, it's awesome to have you. Um, I must've found your account on Instagram. I feel like that's how I've found everyone I've had on the show recently. And mm-hmm. it's probably all because of Ask a Sub, who was like, oh yeah, one she's of the first wonderful. people I like, the first kinky people I started following. Who like mm-hmm. has just, she's just so good at like educating, you know, mm-hmm. everyone about like what's out there, you know, sharing resources. And I think you were probably shared in some some resource at some yeah, point, probably. and that's why I ended up following you. Oh, um, amazing! Yeah, so I'm glad that I found you. Um, your work looks amazing. It's it's really fascinating to me as someone who I don't have a lot of experience with subbing, but I'm pretty sure that's my deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've had sort of like inklings that I could dom in certain scenarios. I'm bisexual, so in certain scenarios with women, I feel like uh, a dominance coming over me. Um, mm-hmm. Almost a I don't want to say it's masculine or feminine, but I feel like a masculine energy coming over me where I'm like, I'll take care of it. You know? mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so I was wondering, like, what is it? I mean, obviously, my main question is like, what is it like to be a dominatrix? You're a dominatrix. And but I guess I want to start with like, what led you to becoming a dominatrix like what's your origin story yes the doming yeah so what I would say about doming is that um a lot of my relationship to BDSM started to really deepen when I was also exploring my gender and my sexuality so I'm non-binary I use they or she pronouns I grew up being seen and treated as a girl. And then, you know, throughout my like late teens, early twenties as a woman. Um, and a few years ago at this point, maybe like two, three years ago, or maybe four years ago at this point, I don't even know. I was coming into my queerness and I was figuring out who I was outside of like a cisgender heteronormative understanding of, um, girl slash woman. So, All of that is to say, if I really think back to like my childhood and like my first kind of sexual relationships, um, my partner, when I was like, you know, 17, I remember us engaging in things that now I think back on it. And I'm like, that is so kinky. All we were (laughs) doing was like role play and like consensual non-consent and like a lot of, um, a lot of power dynamic play Mm -hmm. that I loved and I didn't have the language for it at the time. But the more that I started to learn about BDSM, the more I was like, oh my God, I've been doing this for forever. Wow. (laughs) I just, I just didn't know. And so I would also say too, one of my good friends when I was really young, maybe only like 20 or something, kept telling me, she was like, I really feel some kind of like awakening coming for you. Like I feel, I feel you kind of becoming a dominatrix. And at 20, if you had known me at 20, if you had seen me at 20, I was like, what? There's no way. (laughs) But even then, like there was an inkling. And I remember her saying something so beautiful to me, which was 
when I was deep in my, like, I'm only a sub, I'm just a bottom, like I'm only submissive, whatever. I can only have really dominant partners. Um, and I was feeling a lot of shame around it as well, because I think a lot of people who are submissive hold shame, specifically people who are like, um, socialized as female, right? Yep. They might not. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Like might not even identify as it now, but who were raised in that way of being seen in that light. I think that it is a a weird place where you come to yourself and you're like, why do I love being degraded? Why do I love being spanked? Why do I want to be choked? Why do I want to be spit on? Like all of these kind of things. And so I had a lot of shame about it. And my friend basically said to me, you know, I've been reading a lot about BDSM and something that I, that I have come to understand recently is that actually in the power dynamic, the person that has so much of the power is actually the sub like it's very counterintuitive right because the way in which bdsm is shown is that the dom is like big bad powerful and the sub just like um does whatever they say right and so obviously we see those depictions of bdsm but we don't see what goes on right before that scene occurs right of like sitting down as people just having like a beautiful conversation of negotiations of limits boundaries interests um you know safe words all of the kind of things that make bdsm play safe consensual loving caring supportive deeply healing Mm -hmm. so in that respect the more that i started to actually educate myself Um, with like a thousand and one books and like lectures that I went to, like lec dems that I went to, demos that I went to, um, online workshops, just other friends in the scene who I've been able to have beautiful conversations with the more that I was understanding like, oh, okay, this is like the only way that I want to relate to people. Like so transparent, so upfront, so clear, so direct. Um, So that's kind of how I ended up being attracted to BDSM in general. Mm -hmm. And then in terms of going pro, basically there was a moment where I was with a partner and we were exploring some kind of play together, like very kinky play together. And afterwards during aftercare, he was talking to me and I was like, yeah, I'm just a sub, like blah, blah, blah. And he was like, no, you're not. And I was like, what? And he was like, you totally take over sometimes. It's hot. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, you totally know how to take control. And it was this moment where that kind of awakened something in me, right? Yeah. And then I remember there was like um, a Halloween party that I went to and I went as Catwoman and I got this like awful pleather bodysuit that just is like, I would never wear it in session now because it's terrible. But I remember looking at myself in the mirror, like all done up. I had had, like a collar and I just like looked hot. And I was like, whoa, I think I could do this. So then after that, I reached out to a friend, Mistress Shayla, Mm -hmm. who has been in the scene for, I think, like four or five years at this point. She owns her own dungeon here in Bushwick. Mm -hmm. Um, And I reached out to her and I was like, hey, I want a dom. And she was like, all right, girl, I got you. And she kind of helped guide me along my path. And then I figured it out from there. But that was like my transition moment. It was really the moment that like one, someone else recognized my dominance in a way that I couldn't see. Mm-hmm. And then I saw myself in the full getup and I was like, I'm hot. <laughs> like I am powerful and I am hot and I can do this, you know? Oh, so 
that's totally. that's kind of what led me down the path. Yeah, it's so yeah. amazing to hear this story and just have having just seen you as the completed Lady Hexa, mm-hmm. you know, being like obviously you're hot in those clothes, like, mm-hmm. but yeah, you just don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't really know what I would look like, you know, in that scenario. And it's mm-hmm. exciting to think that there's always changes that can happen, and yeah. like. You know, for me, discovering being a sub has been really uh, liberating because I think as being socialized as a female, I took on all the responsibility Mm -hmm. of like making the coming happen. And, you know, like Mm -hmm. I'm going to make make the, the guy come make the girl come and like that's my job and like. Mm you know like I just didn't really think about the part where I could just submit and be like taken care of myself Mm -hmm. and I haven't even gotten there really like I'm still I'm like at the beginning of my journey because that submission is really hard and because it is it's like this giving you have a lot of this power Mm -hmm. and like responsibility to Mm -hmm. take control of your own pleasure you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and be like I am going to put myself in this situation that I know would be the reason I know that it would be so pleasurable for me is because you know I stepped into my power as a mother a few years ago yeah, beautiful so I have a kid you know and mm-hmm. that is such an incredible it's so funny to like relate that to doming and <laughs> I don't think that it's any different right truly because it's I like, think it's yeah from what I understand about doming it's like Mm -hmm. you have to have a plan you Mm got to take care of someone like Mm -hmm. from start to finish you're in Mm -hmm. charge you know like Mm -hmm. and so it's it is really interesting to be like yeah on the flip side I want to be tied up and Mm -hmm. have no clue what's happening and follow Mm -hmm. every instruction to a T and be told I'm a good baby, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that's like the opposite of momming slash doming. Yeah, I mean, I think kind of the connection that you're making between like motherhood or just parenthood in general, right? And doming, because there are a lot of different dom archetypes, like there, one of which is like mommy, daddy, right? Yes, and like yes. mommy, daddy and like boy, girl or like caregiver and little kind of thing. Yeah. And that's often the role that I... Um, naturally kind of take on with my submissives you get which is mommy or daddy or both uh, oh totally Mm -hmm. both which is like so fun I mean being non-binary and having access to like so many different flavors of dominance within like the gender spectrum is yeah oh it's so fun it's one of my favorite things but Mm -hmm. what I would say about it is that like yeah it's very similar all of sex work is care work in a way right like we have these people who are coming to us with like so much vulnerability. Like when I think about sex, sex is one of those kind of, um, what's it called? Initiation points, right? Mm -hmm. Birth, sex, death. We all go through them, right? Right. Right. (laughs) So in that sense, I think that there's such a correlation with like the involvement of sex work and motherhood in or parenthood in this way, because you really are caring for someone deeply you're seeing such a fragile potentially insecure part of them like when I think specifically about doming Mm -hmm. clients come come to me with subs come to me with um so much shame right so much 
fear, so much guilt, not all of them, right? Like I have plenty of subs who have like totally unlearned any of the shame that they felt over things that they have no reason to feel shame over. Right. But they come to me with like, hi, mistress, I've never tried this thing. It's all I've wanted to do for my entire life. Like since I can remember, like as a kid, you know, like that's truly such a profound responsibility and just like Disney for me, World for them. No, literally like kinky Always playground, to go right? To Disney World and yeah. take me there. Thank exactly. you. Exactly. And it's just kind of one of those things that I I just don't take it lightly because I do think that it's such an honor to be able to guide someone through all of that. Like it's not easy stuff. It's really right. not. Um it's so much more about, it's so much more than just the kink itself, right? Right, Like it's like the layers and layers and layers and years and decades and potentially, you know, centuries worth of their spirit, like not feeling safe enough to explore something that is not harming anyone. It's happening between consenting adults. Everyone is checking in. Like there's so many um, safety nets involved. Right. And so I think that it genuinely is, yeah, I, I stand by it. Like it really is care work in a lot of ways, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's spiritual. Yeah. It's psychological. I, mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I'm still peeling away the like layers of of psychological um, issues behind, you know, my desires sexually, mm-hmm. and and I don't. It's really, it's really cool mm-hmm. to discover that it can be therapy you know, um, especially after, you know, a lot of women I know have passed of sexual assault, which I have too. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a cool part of the journey to be like taking control over the submission because, Mm -hmm. you know, in real life, I feel like this discussion has been had a million times, but whatever. (laughs) No, I think that it's always a helpful one to Yeah, it's such a cool thing to unpack and be like, okay, I was in a position where I was completely helpless and had experienced such trauma and I've had PTSD and, and, you know, come through the other side of that, a strong 38-year-old mom. Yeah. And then I can make that choice to put myself in someone else's hands. And that Mm -hmm. feels like the most powerful decision of my life, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would say, you know, in all transparency, I started off very much exploring submission, Mm. not really understanding it. And um, at this point I identify, you know, professionally, I only Dom, but in my personal life, I'm very much a switch and, oh yeah, I'm very switchy. And Mm -hmm. so what I would say with my personal partners is that it's actually really challenging, but deeply healing for me to step into the submissive role, right? right. Like I'm always doming people. I'm always topping people. I'm always in that powerful caretaker role. Right. And so in my personal life, mm-hmm. I often, especially when I'm like first with a new partner or mm-hmm. if I've been doming a lot, right? It's mm-hmm. a really challenging transition for me to make into this submissive role where I'm just trusting because my brain is always going. And so for me, submission is deeply challenging and deeply healing. It requires so much trust. Yeah. Um, both of my partner, but like of myself of like, can I actually just let myself be guided right now? Can I surrender? Can I deepen into 
the safety and the support that I'm being offered right now by a partner, it's not an easy thing to do. No. And, and it's Trusting also other why it's just not like bread in our culture. <laughs> no, not at all. And rightfully so. Many of us have experienced really harmful situations, right? But in that respect, I found so much healing and so much love and so much um, release yeah. from learning how to embrace that part of myself when it is offered to me in those opportunities. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think it also is something that anytime that I'm bottoming or subbing, it just gives me so much empathy for the subs who come to see me. Yeah. You know, like, especially because I started as a sub and that's like Mm -hmm. what the majority of my understanding of BDSM was before I started doing it professionally. Right. Um, yeah, I, I do think that it's really important for people to understand both sides, even if you don't necessarily identify as a sub, mm-hmm. just to like have an understanding of how vulnerable it is, right? Yeah. And like that you are carrying so much responsibility in that right. moment. Um, again, it's it's just such a gift. Like yeah. subbing is such a gift and doming is such a gift. And I love that I get to explore both yeah. of them in very different ways right Right. yeah I guess I've sort of learned the answer to this question but I guess Mm my I'm just like wondering what it's like what is it like to be a dominatrix to like you know command a situation like that um Mm -hmm. and like have someone at your mercy quote unquote Mm -hmm. you know I'm I'm making it sound like a little tense but like or like someone's going to get hurt or something, but totally because that's how society paints it. Of course. Yeah. Um, you know, I think of someone's heel on someone's throat or like mm-hmm. someone being like denied air or mm-hmm. you just imagine so many things. Um, mm-hmm. Of course I understand it a lot better now, but I guess I'm just curious, like, yeah. what is it like, like say with like a new client or something? Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's a lot of layers to that question, so it and might be a long, very, very answer. broad. I'm sorry. Just no, talk. no, it's good. It's good. Yeah. So, I mean, first and foremost, before I get to like the fun stuff, um, of my job, I'd like to talk about like the reality of it yeah. first. So yeah. Lots of first and foremost, I yeah, I think a lot of people don't understand that, um, you know, the choice to become a sex worker in general yes. is one that's like so so specific to each individual person, right? So like there's that layer to it. I understand that doming for a long time has potentially been seen as like separate from sex work, but I very much identify as a sex worker. Right. Um, I've been involved in various different aspects of the sex industry at this point. Mm -hmm. That is like first and foremost, what I would consider myself a sex worker before a dom. Right. Um, And I say that in solidarity with all other sex workers that I organize with who are part of my community, who I will fight for. Right. Right. So that's the first thing is that understanding that doming at the end of the day is, is sex work. Yes. Um, The next thing that I would say is that a lot of what my job entails is not even being in session. A lot of it is like my marketing, right? Because I'm independent. Um, A large portion of it is my education, like continuously staying up to date, checking in with my friends, asking them. We do like with my group of friends that I'm really close with, 
we have a lot of really beautiful um, horizontal like learning models of like we just all skill share all the time and we're constantly asking one another like what is the safest way to do this what is like the sexiest way to do this what have you tried in sessions that totally didn't work and why do you think that whatever um staying up to date with like doms that I really look up to and the resources that they're providing those are so wonderful as well pandemic of course has been difficult because we can't do any kind of like in-person teaching so much yeah um like lec dems and demos and all that kind of stuff so in that respect that's one layer to it right all of the admin stuff that I'm doing and all of my own continued self-education yeah um another part of it is just like my correspondence with my with my subs like people that hit me up who see my ad who see me on social media who email me um wow if you if people saw the kind of emails that I get on a daily basis that we all get on a daily basis I mean it's just absurd so a lot of it is trying to filter out time wasters people who are actually serious you know getting getting a person into the room is like 90% of the job wow yeah Um, and then all of that is to say once you like finally get them into session it's awesome I mean first and foremost like let's say like the first time I'm seeing a client, right? I have to screen them. I have to feel safe. I have to understand like what my boundaries are going to be beforehand based on like their intake form that they've sent me based on our correspondences, any questions that they've asked me over like an intake phone call or something like Mm -hmm. that. So it's like the planning of the scene, right? Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, um, I will plan scenes out based on like what a sub is interested in exploring. But I also am the type of person where I'm like, I have no idea if they walk into the room, I might feel a totally different energy with them. Wow. Like they might for improv there. Oh, for sure. I'm very improvisational. I, um, I'm also a professional dancer and like a performance artist. And so I would say that I utilize a lot of the skills that I've developed over like, you know, over two decades of training in that respect um a hundred percent bring in like my improvisational skill set into the dungeon right wow so so it's like it's truly like an artistic creative flow yeah definitely yeah and I would say for me like I am a witch that's something that um I feel yeah my (laughs) love my yeah my spiritual practice is a huge part of both my artistic practice and my doming practice and um, that's something that feels super improvisational to me, right? Like my, my, um, my spiritual practice is entirely improvisational. I have a lot of different skill sets that I pull from, but like when I sit down to do any kind of ritual, I have a kind of idea of where it's going to go, but I really just let the energy flow through. Right. Yeah. And so that's how I approach doming as well. I come in with like an improvised score Mm -hmm. and then I really just like sit, try to like look this person in the eyes, see what they're giving me, like allow them to really see me and take Mm -hmm. it from there. Is being a witch part of your dom persona, dominatrix persona? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I certainly leaned into it a lot, mostly because when I was first trying to figure out like, who did I want Lady Hexa to be? I was like, well, I want Lady Hexa to be the biggest version of myself that I could possibly create. Right. Mm -hmm. Doming is so fun in that way because you get to take up space in a way that like most people who are socialized as female in the way that I was for the first 20 something years of my life, I didn't get to do. And so I was like, Lady Hexa is just going to be like the loudest, 
wildest, most expansive version of, of myself. Right. Wow. I so, love it. Oh, I, yeah. I love that. It reminds me of, uh, you know, I'm obsessed with drag Queens and yeah. drag culture and uh-huh. that it, it reminds me so much of the way drag Queens ca- talk about their persona is it's mm, like mm-hmm. them being the biggest most beautiful loud version yeah. of themselves mm-hmm. it sounds yeah. so healing to do that yeah it absolutely is and I would say that like BDSM and leather culture and kink in general um for me personally and like the history that I understand about leather communities thus far is that they really do come from queer spaces right yeah. and so that's also been so affirming for me as a queer person to like get deeper, deeper into it and meet so many like trans, gender non-conforming, lesbians and gays and like everyone across the gender and sexuality spectrum um, to have a space where we get to really mess with like societal norms. Mm -hmm. Um, We get to really, really turn them on their heads. And that's something that I enjoy so much in my sessions is that I get to explore this version of femininity that is not really allowed in any other space or I guess not that it's not allowed, but there's such a um, patriarchal spin on it, right? Like when I'm in session, these men come in and immediately it's like, you know, this has all been negotiated beforehand. Obviously this is in scene. This is consensual, but it's like, get on your knees, you know, like that immediate power dynamic of understanding that I am in charge. Available in any other scene, no, any other situation, even if you're the boss, you're a female identifying person who is the boss of the room mm-hmm. you can't be like well obviously no one's gonna say get on your knees in a in a work scenario but right you know just just not that you don't presume that kind of power like men have yeah I mean you're still history. having to play the game you still have to play exactly. the game you still have to figure out how the to politeness make... game the not too loud yeah. game the like uh-huh. so many games that women have to play yeah absolutely and like that of course is there's so many layers to that, but that is something that I love in my sessions is that um, kind of we mentioned earlier, you asked me, like, do you take on mommy or daddy? Mm-hmm. Like, I would say, um, tot- like, when I- a beautiful kind of mummification scene or a sensory um, sensory play and like sensory deprivation scene, sensation play, all that kind of stuff, like, I'm totally going to be really gentle, like goddess mommy but if I'm doing like an impact scene or like you know a pegging scene or something that's like more gritty I guess I totally start like turning into like this daddy persona that is like oh it's just so fun it's really so fun yeah um and I yeah I think too it's like also having these men who enjoy seeing that side of me Mm-hmm. and who are excited by it and like super turned on by it and whatever really helps me release the idea that like oh I'm only hot or attractive if I'm like performing womanhood yeah like there's a totally. different energy that I can bring to the table that like they're loving the taste of you yeah. know yeah yeah that's so interesting my I play a care like maybe my main as a comedian my main character that I play is this very old, sweet man mm-hmm. <laughs> who is like such a huge part of me. Like, I feel like so much of my 
inner insecurity with women, you know, mm-hmm. like unsureness of myself. It's so rooted in this guy, you know, and also this understanding of men and, you know, the plight of being a man, which I know is laughable to some people, but it's, it's, it can be a horrifying reality to be a man absolutely. in society. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's just, it is, I love that feeling too. I haven't, gotten to play with this character in any sort of sexual scenario and Mm. I know exactly how he would act though Mm -hmm. and how shy he would be and how unassuming Mm. he would be and how scared Mm -hmm. he would be and how you know who knows if he would actually be able to engage you know and but it's just so sweet to see who responds to that character in a positive Mm -hmm. way Mm -hmm. um the very first time I put on that costume I was uh, hanging out backstage at my show and a good friend of mine was waiting for the bathroom, a male friend of mine. Mm -hmm. And he made quick eye contact with me and then looked away. And then he looked back and he was like, what the fuck are you looking at? And he totally, like, he thought I was that person. Mm -hmm. And I got to see this side of him I was like, whoa, you felt threatened by like a weird old man right then. And I'm, mm-hmm. I've never felt that, you know, I was 20, 20 years old at the time. So yeah. I was like, I'm a 20 year old woman, just like dipping her toe into what it is to be in a male. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was so interesting to feel mm-hmm. that like mm-hmm. defensive fear, you know? Yeah, a, definitely. A totally different, totally different version of defensive fear than I've ever felt. Yeah. Um, so that's that's a bit of a tangent, but I I just love that that feeling of being in these characters and seeing the dynamics that come out. Um, mm-hmm. Totally that, different. It's interesting that you're yeah you come from a performance background as a dancer mm-hmm. for the most part. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's interesting. So the the name Lady Hexa makes more sense now that I know mm-hmm. you're a witch. Is that kind of <laughs> yeah. where the name came from? A little bit, yeah. So um, my my middle name, the um, origin of my middle name mm-hmm. is the goddess Hecate. Mm. And she is the Greek goddess of witchcraft, necromancy, um, liminal spaces, key holders, all of that kind of stuff. Um, I'm also, yeah, I'm also a medium. And so that she's, she's very much kind of who I look to in my spiritual practice because she is, she exists in this kind of gray area between worlds. And that's kind of how I live my life, like between worlds, because spirits are always just kind of popping in and saying hi and asking me questions and asking me to help them and blah, blah, blah. So fast. So, um, yeah. So first and foremost, like Hecate, right. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I, part of my ancestral lineage is German, also Celtic, but as like my spiritual practice, I very much try to ground myself within like German folk magic and then Celtic Mm. folk magic as well. And so Hex E H E X E Mm -hmm. is the German word for witch. And so I took Hexy and Hecate and turned it into Hexa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the lady part is so interesting because when we talk about honorifics, why I chose that one instead of like mistress or goddess or um, any other ones, I think honestly is because like 
the way in which I engage with my subs and the way that I kind of expect them to engage with me is like really polite, you know, like when I talk to them, I'm like, hello. Yeah. Very much lady. Like when they first walk in, you know, the protocol that I have is like, once we've gone through negotiations and we've figured out what we're going to do in the scene and blah, blah, blah. The way that I always start a scene is the same of like, okay, you're going to get undressed. You're going to fold all of your clothes nice and neat. You're going to place them in the corner. You're going to put your shoes over there. Like you're going to take up as little space as possible in my room. And then you're going to go kneel in the corner in position one. And you're going to wait for me to give you permission to look at me. And so it's very much like I will every time this is so funny. Subs will always when I tell them, like, get undressed, fold your clothes nice and neat. That's like always the language I use. And these men just rumple their stuff up and like throw them in the corner. And immediately I just say, Uh, uh, uh. I said to fold, you know, like I say it so gently. I don't yell at them because I'm not um, I'm not a yeller for the most part. But I just say it so gently. I just say. I told you to fold those nice and neat. Is that nice and neat? And they're like, no, no, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, yeah, okay. So figure it out. Um, So in that respect, I do feel as though like the lady honorific kind of goes into my style for sure. I'm, I'm very uh, proper at Mm -hmm. first. Definitely. I love the word honorific, something I Mm -hmm. never, a word I'd never used in my life until talking Mm -hmm. about Dom subculture, (laughs) because there's so many, like specific specified um pronouns and and um capitalizations especially with yeah. um doming remotely um totally. <laughs> you have to remember to uh use the uppercase to uh-huh that. Yeah. uh-huh yeah and definitely I think trouble <laughs> yeah I think too for me like I'm a little bit loose at times with like what honorific I expect and I know that that's not always how it is supposed to go yeah but for me personally like the ones that I am comfortable with in session are of course lady or like my lady or just my Mm -hmm. full name right like lady hexa I love that but I'm also I also love mistress as well I love goddess especially if we're doing like a um really witchy scene like I totally embody the goddess in that way and so I would love for my subs to call me goddess right right and then also totally fine if subs want to call me mommy if that's like the scene that we're in if they want to call me daddy if that's the scene that we're in I'm very much a shapeshifter and I like being able to try on so many different flavors of dominance and so I actually had a sub last night who asked me what I preferred and I was like honestly, like, let's, let's see what the energy is. And I'll tell you, you know, right. right. I know, I know that that is not um, the classical way of going about it, but that's more what works for me. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And kind of everybody, it seems like everybody develops their own vibe and to some people it's more fun to be, you know, picky with that, but then totally. Yeah. If it's not fun, then who cares? (laughs) Yeah. And I know that for some people, like that's a really clear part of their protocol, right. Of like, you address me as the incorrect honorific, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I totally respect like the rigidity of that. If like, you only like to be called mistress or if you only like to be called, called goddess, like totally, absolutely. For me, I'm, I'm real fluid, you know, I'm fluid in like pretty much everything in my life. And so that also applies to my doctor. Right. Um, can I ask more about mediumship? Do you mm-hmm. feel comfortable talking about that? Okay. Oh, totally. Yeah. I'm just curious about um, if that is another 
profession of yours, if you've pursued that um, mm-hmm. professionally, I'm just curious about that because, you know, I have friends that have dabbled in mediumship and mm-hmm. sort of taken a course or tried mm-hmm. to sort of hone it better. Um mm-hmm. You know, I'm a Pisces, so I've always been told that I might have those inklings, but yeah. um, I've I've never been able to trust those inklings um, mm-hmm. because I, you know, I did have PTSD at one point. So a lot of times that was like very clouded. I would have a bad right. feeling and think that I was having a premonition and then it would mm-hmm. just come have come from within me, you know, yeah. just like a bad yeah, feeling. Definitely. About- you know, so I've, I've never gotten to, or I've never been driven to do it, but it's Mm -hmm. something I'm really curious about. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, what I would say about that first and foremost is that is a big part of my own healing journey that I've had to move through as someone who has experienced my own situations that were not the most um, positive is all I will say. Right. It is very challenging to get back to a point where you can trust your intuition and you don't feel as though your hyperacted, hyperactivated nervous system is kind of taking over. Right. That is, that is one challenging aspect to it for sure. What I would say about mediumship is, um, yeah, I went through my like big, I've always been a very spiritual person. I've always kind of bounced around from like one, one religion to another, trying to learn as much as I can, trying to figure out what fit. And then at a certain point, there were a lot of things that built up to this, but there was just one day where I kind of like looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, I think I'm a witch. Mm-hmm. And that's what has stuck over the past couple of years. Yeah. Um, that's the thing that feels like the most deeply resonant. So in terms of that, I think a lot back to like when I was a child and kind mm-hmm. of the way in which I interacted and I'm, I'm so, so sensitive. I'm a big introvert. I spend most of my time alone. I, I have a beautiful community. I have wonderful friends. I have great partners, like romantic partners who I have incredible relationships with, but I am a very um, introverted person. Mm-hmm. And um, in terms of like mediumship, yeah, how do I even begin to talk about it? Basically, I had this really, really intense, beautiful vision when I was in college, I was basically taking this class on like complementary and alternative mental health studies. And this man came in and he led us through um, kind of just like a guided trance with drumming. Mm. And I went somewhere else. Like I can't even get into the, really the details of this experience, but yeah. like I, it felt like I was having a psychedelic trip and I was entirely right. sober, just sitting in a class at like, you know, 1 PM on a right. Wednesday kind of thing. Um, And that really opened up a lot for me. That's when I started getting really intense visions. Mm. Um, And then after the visions, or I guess along with the visions also came kind of like the auditory information as Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. Um, The more deeply that I understand my body, the more that I kind of understand how intelligent all of our bodies are and how they just really know, right? Like our bodies are just so profoundly wise. And the more that we can learn how to trust them, um, the, the more psychic we feel, right. Cause we're like, Ooh, yeah. I'm alive. I'm connected. Right. Um, the other thing I would say is that I'm very much in the camp that I think that everyone is psychic. Everyone has the capacity to be a medium in yeah. whatever way. I think that humans have been taught over like centuries and millennia that, um, 
we don't have that connection or that there are just some yeah. people who are special and who are born with it. But like, as someone who has just continually flexed that muscle, mm-hmm. I can absolutely say that I think anybody can do what I do. Right. I don't think I'm right. special. Right. Um, however, yeah, it is very intense for a long time. I actually really did not like my mediumship abilities. I was working with my grandmother who had passed away Oh my goodness. Um, over like a decade ago at this point. And she had a very challenging life in a lot of ways, as many people live challenging lives, right? Like all of right. us live challenging lives in our own way. She had a lot of challenges around um, uh, motherhood and mm-hmm. like her children. She lost a lot of children. Right. It was deeply painful. And so in regard to that, I was working with my grandmother for a while and she would come through and literally just take over my body. And I could not get out of bed. Like it was wow. so intense because my grandmother carried a lot of pain. Right? Right, right. And it wasn't until my therapist actually told me my therapist is like really witchy and also a medium. I still can't believe that I ended up with her Amazing. Um, like such divine connection. Right. <laughs> but she really told me at some point she was like, you have such good boundaries in your life, right? Like you have to have like incredible boundaries with your clients. You have to have really strong boundaries with your family. You have to have really strong boundaries with your friends, blah, blah, blah. Why are you not applying those same boundaries to spirits? Right. And I was like, oh my God, you're so right. (laughs) Um, And then more recently I started connecting with my grandfather who passed on around last summer. um, And he came through with my great grandmother and oh my God, just like night and day in comparison to like my grandmother from my dad's side versus my grandfather from my mom's side, the way in which they're experiencing the afterlife and the messages that they were able to pass on to me. And kind of after my grandfather left, I had this beautiful night with him. And after he left, spirit just kind of said to me, do you understand now why there's no reason to be scared of your mediumship? Do you understand now why this is actually a gift, why you are a channel to be able to pass this on to other people because you're finally experiencing the really healing aspect of it, right? To be able to connect with an ancestor who lived a beautiful, also challenging life, but is at peace now. Like, because the whole night I had just been sobbing, tears of joy. I was just sobbing and sobbing and saying, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming to me. Thank you for teaching me about our family's lineage. Thank you for all of these gifts. Thank you for choosing me as your granddaughter, you know, like right. all of this stuff. And so, um, yeah, it really flipped my, my experience with mediumship. And now it's not something that I'm scared of. Now it's something that I'm like, oh, you know, you just get out of your own way. You let spirit come through. You pass along the message. You're discerning about who you pass it on to, right? Like, yeah. I don't just go up to <laughs> random people that I see on the street and I'm like, hey, you're dead, blah, 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 wants you to know this. Like, I'm very respectful of if people come to me and they seek me out for that, I will totally offer whatever information I can. Right. But yeah, in my personal life, outside of doming, um, I do a lot of tarot readings. That's like a big thing that I've been doing for years at this point. I facilitate new moon ceremonies, full moon ceremonies. Um, I facilitate mushroom ceremonies. Mushrooms are like a big oh, plant cool. medicine teacher for me. Oh man. So I, I did a really cool one. Ah, I, yes. I love, <laughs> yes, I did. I, uh, I, my a friend of mine started facilitating ceremonies mm-hmm. and, you know, I read how to change your mind a few times and was mm-hmm. like, all right, I think I'm ready to do this. Mm-hmm. And I'd had bad trips before too. Like I had yeah. no reason to think I would have a, an easy time yeah. and I did not. And I think I'm very sensitive to substances too. So like totally. maybe I should have taken half of what everyone took. Mm. Um, 
but it was so, so transformative and something mm. that I want, I want to facilitate these ceremonies now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Totally. And like transmit my motherhood into that, you know, Beautiful. My, my mothering like abilities to care space. for people. Yeah. yeah going through absolutely. those. Cause it's, it's interesting. It's like, it's really crazy how short that experience is in comparison to what all is being transmitted. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it feels like, it feels like a death. It feels like a, yeah. an in-between, you know, the way I've been, yeah. I've heard the way death um, in, and the, the in-between state, if, if you're going to be reborn, there's like this in-between and that's kind of what it, what I would describe it as because yeah. it was horror and life and, and simple understanding. You know, I wrote all my little lessons down. Yeah these these very interesting lessons that were just mm-hmm. sort of like oh oh my god you poor thing you thought that like the way you looked mattered and yeah you thought that borders were real yeah. you thought that people that looked different than you were different in any way like mm-hmm. um you know all these lessons mm-hmm. uh, my favorite lesson was everyone is sexy <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh I was yeah, like, for sure. Yes. I was like, wow, it's so true. Like look yep. at everybody. Wow. You know, yep. and I love I love holding on to those little knowledges and like yeah. feeling them with me and pulling yeah. them back in. The biggest lesson for me was um basically this too shall pass, but it was like yeah. it was this understanding of the way ebb and flow and waves work, that there's a mm-hmm. constant ebb and flowing, and that's the nature of all things. Yeah, absolutely. But there's like there's a um a constriction and a an expansion. Mm-hmm. And that was so valuable to be like, this will end, and then the next thing will end, and then the next, mm-hmm. you know, they just mm-hmm. keep changing and changing. It just keeps going. Yeah. yeah. Um, which was uh how I would describe like my experience giving birth to my child. Um mm. I think I've talked about this before on the podcast, but it was just so beautiful how within a minute the contraction would happen. Like you uh-huh. would go up the ladder of 30 seconds and down the ladder of 30 seconds, and that's what made it, you know, doable, you know, yeah. and that's what makes life doable. Absolutely. You're going up the ladder and it's fucking awful. And like, Mm -hmm. just know, you know, you know, you're coming back down the ladder, you know? Yeah. And some, for some people, you know, they might die before they come back down the ladder, but Mm -hmm. that's, that's coming back down the ladder. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So that was a fun tangent, but (laughs) no, I mean, I love talking about like plant medicines and psychedelics because they really have changed my life in a lot of ways and um yeah. I love hearing about this kind of stuff so totally. a welcome tangent okay for good. sure yeah and I had something just occurred to me too I've talked about on this podcast a lot about like what the meaning of sex is because it's mm. such an interesting <clears throat> elusive thing you know we were taught one thing I was like mm-hmm. sure my whole life that it was penis and vagina <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is laughable now it's it's sad mm-hmm. and funny to think that that's what I thought it was and that that's yeah. what the understanding for most people is. And that virginity has meaning, you know, virginity yeah. has zero meaning. Um, and I, I, there was this quote that I wrote down from, um, I've been reading, um, uh, what is it called? Oh, the ethical slut. 
Oh yeah. It's been really amazingly valuable. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, she says at one point they say, uh, sex is a journey into an extraordinary state of consciousness. And that's like basically mm. the definition. And it's like, wow, it, it just was coming to me while you were talking about all the different mm. kinds of work that you do and how mm-hmm. going into extraordinary states of consciousness were like different yeah. parts of your work. Absolutely. I mean, I think that that's something so fascinating about BDSM is that both as when I'm subbing, like in my personal life, or when I'm topping and doming in my professional life, um, you know, you are able to access those altered states of consciousness, which is like what I'm all about, like in any way, if it's through meditation, if it's through ritual, if it's through plant medicine, but also through um, kinky play. And I think for a long time in my like late teens, early 20s, sex was always interwoven with like alcohol and with cocaine and with um, Mm -hmm. party culture. Mm -hmm. And I just genuinely did not feel embodied in those connections. And so when people ask me, like when my friends who are not involved with kink ask me like, oh, when you're doing kinky play, like, are you drunk? And I'm like, no, I'm already in an altered state of consciousness. What do you mean? There's no way. Like, no shade to anyone who does choose to potentially involve some substances. Like sometimes I'll include weed if I like in my personal life, never really with clients. But um, yeah, I think, I think very much it's kind of one of those things where yeah, the, the altered state of consciousness. I don't know. I, that's what I love so much about kink is that it really does get you to that place. Um, You know, like top space and subspace subspace are just like, they're so different. Like subspace, I just feel like ooey gooey, so safe, so loved, so taken mm-hmm. care of. Mm-hmm. Top space, I feel like I'm literally on top of the world. Like if I have a good session, I come out of it just being like, oh my God, I can do anything. And it's beautiful because it then also forces me to really check my ego and totally. be like, calm down. You're still yeah. just like a little human being, relax. Like, you got a taste of like that, that power. And right. now you just like humble yourself again yeah. and bring yourself back down to earth. Um, so I, I, I love those experiences. Way. Yeah. And I felt that way about a Dom before uh-huh. just being like, this person is the master of the universe, which apparently master of the universe was the original name of 50 shades of Grey. Oh God. So God bless. Too. Yeah, I know. Different um, language for yeah, it. Yeah. So but I feel like this this person has like figured something out that is mm-hmm. so valuable and powerful yeah. and interesting yeah. and like nothing yeah. I've ever heard of or felt. Yeah. And then of course I have to take it down a notch and be like, this is just some guy. <laughs> totally. No, totally. And I think that I honestly felt that way about Dom's when I was more so identifying as a sub and I felt this like deep desire to be like, please choose me, choose me as your sub, whatever. And then it got to a certain point where I was like, wait, like I get to choose you as my dom. Like you have to meet my standards. You have to be able to engage with me outside of like a dungeon space or a bedroom space. Like you have to be able to, um, really see me, really value me, really respect me. Like this, there's so much more to this than just like the sexual aspect of it. Right. Like, yeah, I'm trusting you to, to really look at me and to really see me. Yeah. And um, yeah, in that respect, I do think that it's so important to empower subs to understand that like they have, they have so much agency 
yeah. in, in kinky play. Right. Yeah. And that, um, yeah, they, they, they have to take responsibility for their own power. Right. right. Otherwise you can't give it away. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Did you, did you have like a pretty pot sex positive upbringing or were you sort of in the typical American position of like, <laughs> um, I wouldn't say that it was sex negative necessarily. Like my parents talked to me about it. They certainly weren't like super sex positive by any means. Right. Um, I did go to like a performing arts middle school and high school. And so generally speaking, I was surrounded by like a lot of queer kids, a lot of weirdos, a lot of kids who I'm sure now are like very kinky. Right. Um, Right. um, And then in college, uh, I'm trying to think. I didn't really start getting into like my exploration of sexuality until after college. Cause in college I was just dancing. Like that's like all I was doing was just dancing yeah. day in and day out, whatever. Um, but I, but I will say that from a very young age, I understood that like sex was really powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically like sexual energy. Like that's a big part of my like spiritual practice is sex magic. Yeah. Um, and I remember even being a kid and just kind of being like, orgasms are really powerful. Like sexual connection is really powerful. Like there's something deeper here than just like two bodies coming together. Right. Like there's like cosmos are moving, right. Like there's so much um there's so much beauty and there's so much healing and there's so much profound magic to be created either alone like in your own kind of like masturbation practice or Mm -hmm. like with partners with groups of people whatever the energy is just so sacred yeah um and I know that not everyone feels that way about sex and that is totally fine that's just like my relationship to sex and what has made me feel the most safe and the most grounded and the most powerful. Like the deeper that I got involved with my sex magic practice, the more the world just literally started to like turn on its head. You know, I would ask for something. I would do a spell. I would finish it off with like a really intense orgasm. Literally within like a week, that thing came to me, you know? So in that respect, like. I saw this in an Instagram meme and did not realize it was real. Yeah, absolutely. Someone said it was probably ask a sub. Some, of course, I'm using my orgasms and my like to make my spells happen. Yeah, I'm like, whoa. Oh yeah. I mean, it makes sense now that you're like spelling it out for me, and it's not yeah, and I'm not like laughing at it. Yeah, it totally makes sense. That's yeah. Any any big spell work that I do, um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I I'll do like money magic, right. And I'll name a number that Mm -hmm. I want to make by the end of the month, by the end of six months, by the end of a year. I remember last year I did like a big money magic spell that involved a lot of sex magic. And I, I named a number that was way too high. I was like, there's no way that I'm going to be able to make that. Uh, And that was like by the end of the year. Um, December, maybe like two weeks before the end of 2020, I, you know, checked my bank account. I counted up all my cash. I looked at all my investments and I realized that I was like two or 3000 over what I had wanted to make. And I was like, whoa, okay. Yeah. Like this is powerful. (laughs) Or like I have used sex magic to call in very specific partners, not like 
a specific person, but like a specific type of relationship. I've used sex magic to call that kind of a relationship in, Mm -hmm. I mean, literally like overnight kind of deal. Um, I've used sex magic to deepen into my doming practice and Mm -hmm. to say like, I want to be a, um, a more empowered, more loving, more thoughtful, more self-aware dom. And then from then on, I felt like I could take up more space within my doming persona. So yeah, I would love for everyone to get into sex magic. It's so, so beautiful to like unlock that level of yourself. It's really, really beautiful. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And I mean, I've heard a lot about manifestation in general and I love this aspect of using the power of your orgasms like Mm -hmm. as energy because they're such yeah it's just little balls of energy yeah well I also think too like my understanding of orgasm since I was very young was that the reason that it is the most powerful is because it's simultaneously the most full and the most empty that you can be right because your body is so receptive Mm. it's like just um it's just a void for energy to be moving and your body also reaches that intense peak like I've also done a lot of practice with like learning how to have full body orgasms with or without any kind of genital stimulation right just through Mm -hmm. breath all of that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff and getting your body to that state where it's truly the most receptive that it could be it allows energy to move through you and to unblock a lot of the parts of yourself that are automatically holding you back from getting what you want. Yeah. Like you really surrender yourself to like divine energy to just like, all right, I give up. Like you take the wheel for now. Mm-hmm. And the energy is like, yeah, I got you. Thank you for trusting us. Right. Amazing. So it really is this space of like a birth of a new self, a death of an old self. Um, this moment where you're just kind of existing in that liminal space of complete possibility and you get to choose how you're going to direct that energy from there. It's really beautiful. Wow. That's so cool. Well, I guess I wanted to get into some personal things, like kind of like what kind of things turn you on personally, if you Mm -hmm. want to talk about that. Yeah, we can talk about it. You said earlier you switch, um, Mm -hmm. which is fun. Um, my friend calls that dolphin sex. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Which it just seems like it's just like play, you know, like yeah. back and forth, like yeah, totally power. Um, so what kind of things turn you on? Potentially, possibly unconventional, though we we all know that there is no unconventional turn ons yeah. at this point. Um, I mean, for me, oh, there's so many things at this mm-hmm. point in my life, things that are really important to me is having a partner who is also on like a, a pretty um, clear spiritual path. Mm-hmm. That's something that has been very cleared up for me over the past few months after having met a really beautiful partner who has his own really wonderful deep practice that I'm learning a lot from. Ooh. And so in huge that respect, on. huge turn on. And just in, in the sense that, um, I feel as though my spiritual work and like such an integral part of my identity and the work that I do on this earth is not only like seen, but like valued and respected and, you know, that he comes to me for guidance and that I come to him in the same way. Like there's that reciprocity. So that's like a huge turn on for me is like, oh my God, we can like do spiritual work together. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, Incredible. 
Um, another thing, something that I love, something that will always be a huge turn on for me is people's hands. Mm. I'm like mm-hmm. all about what their hands look like and how their like touch is so important to me in terms of like how a person touches me because um, you know, Tantra is like a big part of my practice as well. And so I'm really good at touching people. Right. And so if like, I have a partner who's also good at touching me and knows how to use their hands in a way that is not just like pawing at me or like really rough or aggressive, but there's, there's, what is the word? Um, their use of their tactful use of their hands, but also range. You got to have range. Yes. That's what I meant. (laughs) That's what I was going to say. Yeah. So hands are beautiful and important to me. Um, I, I honestly think partners who are just like, so unapologetically, authentically themselves is a huge turn on for me because that's something that I have spent so much of my life really working on is like, how can I stop putting on unnecessary layers? Right. And so I can see it in a person immediately, especially in partners. And so to meet a person who I'm like, you're just being yourself, man. Like, that's it. That's all you're doing here. It's always likable. It's just always likable. It's just so beautiful. And it's like, you're not trying to hide anything. You're not trying to be a quote unquote good person. You're just like showing up as who you are. And it gives me so much freedom to just be like, okay, this is who I am. It's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I always have Um, this fear. Like if I'm truly, truly myself, like, ugh. but then what if people don't like that? Then that's like the ultimate, but it's like, it doesn't even matter at that point and like oh yeah I mean for me it's like not everyone has to like me and that's fine like I don't like everyone it doesn't mean that I don't is huge yeah for sure and it's like it's not if I don't like someone it doesn't mean that I want them to die it just means that like we're not on the same path and it's cool and like I wish them well that's it I wish you only peace like that's it yeah um other things that super turn me on I mean a large part of like when I'm subbing, I very much love like daddy, dom, little girl. I love to just be mm-hmm. taken care of a lot. Um, and I, I love having a partner who is able to like be really dominating and in control, but also like really gentle with mm-hmm. me. I think when I was first really exploring submission, I was like, oh, it's all about pain. I just want to get like, you know, totally beaten <laughs> up and degraded and blah, blah, blah. Whereas now it's like, I want to get beaten up, but like, I also want my daddy to like, look me in the eyes and tell me I'm like a perfect little princess while he does it. Right. So that's one of my favorites for sure. Um, I love that. I don't know. Otherwise, just like people who know how to, people who are really good communicators, people who can practice like nonviolent communication, really, really, um, clearly and concisely is like a huge turn on for me because communication is like my favorite thing in the world yeah and it's tough Um, to master so it's like a huge turn on to see someone like committed you know totally and like in in all transparency like I'm a really good communicator I have to be a good communicator for my job and so when I meet a partner who can meet me on that level I'm like oh we're going places me and you dude the bedroom (laughs) but like other places too um it's not all about sex for me it isn't but yes that is that is an important turn on for me yes um do you have a current like sexual obsession be it like a person, a celebrity, mm. something you saw in porn, something that like happened like during your work or anything like that. I could go first. I I just have this ongoing 
obsessions with various drag queens lately. Like that's my main like, thing. Early mm-hmm. on in the pandemic, I was having sex dreams about Brad Pitt. So that was my sexual obsession, which is hilarious. <laughs> um, but right now it's Katya, who is a drag queen who has like sort of like Russian whore uh, persona as her drag mm-hmm. vibe. And mm-hmm. then, like, is the sweetest, like, most tiny man uh, out of drag. Mm-hmm. And both of them are so hot to me. Like, both, both of them. I'm just, like, I can't get over it. And, like, I just, I've been watching a lot of her and Trixie Mattel's show on, on YouTube. Yeah. It's called, um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, just hearing Katya go on and on about, like, dudes, like, she just like dude she fucks all the time and like you know or he fuck you know he's talking about like who he has sex with like as a Mm -hmm. man Mm -hmm. um and like he's like so promiscuous like such a slut in like the best way Mm. and it's i just can't get enough of it and i know that like nothing would ever like there's no way we would ever intersect sexually right but just hearing about his turn-ons and things he does, yeah. I'm just like, oh, I wish there was a world in which, like, I could sneak in or, like, be mm. a man, you know, in that situation or something. Totally, totally. Um, I, I get I, crushes all the time. I love it. No, I love that. I think <laughs> um, my sexual obsessions, honestly, here's what I will say. Um, I've been playing a lot in my sessions recently with, like, electroplay. Ooh, um which has been super super fun and is this like electric current like yeah I had that involved with my um what do you call it acupuncture once I had electro acupuncture ah, once totally I've done that with acupuncture as well when I was like really injured it was helping kind of reset the muscle but yeah one of the parts of my um electro kit that I have is this track pad that you can kind of put like in your underwear and then your entire body is like a conductor for electricity. And so depending on how high you turn it up, you feel that on your skin. So like when you, when like, let's say that I'm the person who's wearing the track pad, when I touch my partner, I also feel a little bit of buzz of electricity, but they feel it a lot, right? Like you're shocking them. And so currently my partner is out of town, but when he gets back, I'm like, babe, we gotta do this. Like I've been doing it in all my sessions. I've been topping for it. Like, please, I want a bottom with electro play, please. That's so that's so fun. That's what I'm feeling really excited about recently. That. That's so yeah, cool. it's super fun. And I would say too, like, I think when people think of electro play, they're like, oh my god, that sounds so aggressive. That sounds so violent. That sounds like something you would use maybe like in an interrogation scene or something. Torture someone. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Totally. Which you totally can. Like, you can yeah. absolutely zap someone and have them jump and whatever. But there's also this like really beautiful, sensual aspect to it that is more so what I enjoy with this specific partner because we do a lot of tantric play together. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, I could not even imagine what it would be like because I already feel like my body is electricity when I'm with him. And I'm like, oh my God, what's going to happen when we like actually add electricity? That's that's really what I'm thinking about these days. (laughs) That's cool. Yeah. When I did yeah. the electro acupuncture, it was at a time where I was like debilitatingly like injured. I had um, sciatica 
and couldn't walk. And I was living in New York at the time and like not being able to walk more than half a block. I was like, I'm going to have to move home. Like my life Mm. is over. I went to this guy, he hooked me up and like, like a whole side of my body was all just like going at once, you know, like, yeah. And, and it just started like emotions started pouring out. Like Mm -hmm. I was crying. Like he did one time, he did it all along here on my like shoulders and chest. Mm. And I, it opened up and I, all this trauma of like hiding my breasts came out like that happened in middle school. I had like so much consciousness of like, oh my God, I've been destroying my body by pulling all of these muscles in just to protect and hide, you know, Mm -hmm. like these Mm -hmm. like sexual objects, you know, that Mm -hmm. like, you know, so yes, electro, man, powerful mm. shit. And it yeah. felt great. Like it was like not painful to me. Yeah. I was just like, oh. Just releasing a lot. Yeah. 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 Well, really that's cool. something that's so beautiful about kink, right? Is that you get to explore these physical sensations that are not ones that you would experience in everyday life that are truly so cathartic. Yeah. Like sometimes there's only so much that can happen within like a space is like talk therapy, right? Like sometimes you really yeah. have to go through like physical psychosomatic healing that is just like getting the shit beaten out of you. Right. Totally. And you're, it, it, it forces your body to, to move energy that's been stuck for a yeah. really long time. So it's wow. very similar to like electroplay or not electroplay, but like yes. electric conduction during your mm. acupuncture appointment of just right. feeling feeling all of that stuck energy release. Yes. It's so beautiful. It is. Yeah. I love how many different genres are crossing into each other now. Yeah. Like therapy yeah. and psychedelics, you know, therapy and all kinds of different like yeah, drugs and different ways of, yeah. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I'm out of questions. <laughs> that was amazing. Um, it was so great to meet you. You totally have. Um, has anyone ever told you you have like Grimes energy? No, never actually. That's hilarious. <laughs> I love Grimes. I love. Yes, I love Grimes a lot. So that's a compliment. And I hope you take Thank it as a compliment. You. No, I do appreciate that. I was going to yeah. say a lot of people have told me that I give them Tilda Swinton vibes, which is also mm, like a huge compliment to huge. me. Huge, yes. Um, I used but to I will Swinton totally take Grimes. Obsessed. Yes, yeah. love it. I love her. <laughs> She's my fave. Yes. Um, yeah, it was so nice to meet you. Is there anything you wanted to add or something something you want to plug or anything like that? Um, no, I mean, let me think. Well, I mean, first and foremost, thank you so much for having me. This has been wonderful. I really <laughs> appreciate having the space to talk about Great. all of these wonderful things that I enjoy. People like can follow me on Instagram. Um, I'm at lady underscore hexa. Mm-hmm. I'm on Twitter, which is like my much more chaotic side because there's a lot of stuff that I can't post on Instagram that I can post on Twitter. Oh, and interesting. That's... I didn't realize. Oh yeah. Oh okay. yeah. Okay. Lots of censorship stuff, but my Twitter is at hexa underscore lady. Mm-hmm. My website is just like ladyhexa.com. Mm-hmm. Um, for anybody who wants to get potentially involved with BDSN, like obviously I love doing sessions, but I love talking about this kind of stuff as well. Mm-hmm. So they can get in touch if they would like to potentially be educated. learn more about. Yeah, if they want to mm-hmm. be educated, like I can totally do sessions based more around the education part versus like the play part. Cool. Um, 
Yeah. And then I would also say too, for anybody listening, I think it's super important to just share. And this is something that's deep, deeply close to my heart. Just Mm -hmm. that like sex workers, yeah, are truly like the most marginalized community around the world. Obviously myself being white. Yes, that as well. But, you know, myself being white and Mm -hmm. cis presenting, I understand that I hold a lot of privilege in that, but I would really hope that people don't see me and just see me as the face of sex work. There's so many more people who are involved in this work who are in significantly more vulnerable positions than I am. And so I would ask that they just have a clear understanding that like, you know, the top doms that they see or the top high earning escorts that they see are not the only people who are involved in this work. I would ask that they understand that um, sex workers are real people, Mm -hmm. that we have real lives, that we have beautiful, fulfilling relationships, Mm -hmm. that we have struggles, that we have off days, um, and that sex work is work. What we do is is really, really difficult. Not many people can actually do it, right? Yeah. Um, Take time to, like, learn about what sex work is. Take time to learn about decriminalization. Please fight for us because we are always out here just, like, fighting for one another because no one else has our backs. Right. Um, please, if you have the funds, like try to redistribute it to like sex worker mutual aid funds. There's so many across the country, specifically if you can find ones that are led by like black trans sex workers. I know that here in the city, there's Glitz, Mm -hmm. which is awesome. There's tons of other ones. There's also Swap Brooklyn, the sex worker outreach project based in Brooklyn. They can always use stuff. We do, um, outreach street outreach where we bring like hot meals we bring harm reduction supplies we bring clothing to um street-based sex workers so Mm. that's that's kind of the note that I would like to leave it on is just to remember that like yeah we need we need as much support as we can get Mm -hmm. and that the best way that you can support our work besides booking sessions with us is Mm -hmm. to really understand what we're doing to understand how you can um how you how how your money can best support people who are in really vulnerable positions totally and that it's really appreciated when you do take the time to yeah. educate yourself and to to redistribute so that's important to me great thank you for adding that so yeah much. absolutely it was yeah. so Ugh, all so important um and just doing the show choosing to do a podcast about sex has Mm -hmm. opened my eyes so much to everything like I knew I supported sex workers I knew I had like even considered it at one point in my life but it was you know all everything has just come to the forefront for me in such a big way and I yeah yeah, I appreciate you um uh articulating all that um and thanks again so much for coming and um for my audience guys keep (laughs) squirting.